Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Simon McAvoy. Hold on. Did I say that right? You did. You did. Perfect. I nailed it. All right. Let me start all over. Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Simon McAvoy. Simon, where are you at and what are you up to? Okay. Well, I'm actually in uh, Tallinn, Dublin at the moment. I'm in uh, an MMA gym of all places. So uh, the MMA gym is actually owned by Paddy Hoolan, who's an ex-UFC fighter. So he's actually really good friends with Conor McGregor. So um, I've been based here since 2017, since the gym opened. I was one of the people who helped Paddy build the gym from the ground up. So uh, it's just after Christmas. This is my first day back working, and uh, I'm here to have a chat with you and see what we can discuss. How does MMA get into a part of your life? How does you become part of something like that? That's a really good question. Well, I've been coaching for nearly 20 years now so an opportunity came up about 10 years ago where i was able to move to john cabinet's gym so he was he's the coach of conor mcgregor i was able to move my business there at the time so it introduced me to the world of mma i didn't know very much about it when i went in there but um i learned very quickly it was the kind of uh, on the job learning that really moved me up a few gears when you look at those first opportunities, when you started getting into MMA, what was that learning curve like? What what were some of the things that you thought maybe you knew about the MMA that you actually didn't? Honestly, I didn't know very much. I knew of Connor at the time because he was uh, he was an upcoming star and he was almost about to turn into a world champion. But um, when I moved in, I wasn't going in there with the mindset of I have to impress MMA fighters. I was moving a business there with established clients and it was a great opportunity to learn something I didn't know very much about. So for me, it was all about the learning. And funny enough, from day one, I was literally put on the spot pressure wise with delivering results. So um, John came up to me, shook my hand. How are you? Nice to meet you. Um, I was after moving equipment into his gym, set up an area that was going to train people. He seemed to be quite impressed with what I'd done. And he goes, hey, I have a little project for you. And I says, oh, okay, yeah. He's just after to meet me. He's giving me some something to do. Great. Um, there was a fighter called Sinead Kavna. Her nickname's KO for knockout. So she had suffered a, a back injury at the time from weightlifting. And John had said, I need her ready for the IMAFs, which is the World Championships for Mixed Martial Arts for Amateurs. Um I want her ready for Las Vegas in 12 weeks. I was like, oh, right. So I get to work with John Kavanagh and Sinead Kavanagh for the next 12 weeks. That's great. Then he uh, slipped in. By the way, I'm going off with Connor for his next camp. So uh, see you in 12 weeks. So that was me left on the spot. When you're left on the spot, as you say, how do you put a plan together for to help her you know, rehab and get prepared? Well, I had to assess the injury. It was quite severe. It was a back problem. It was affecting her walking. And I had to try and figure out very quickly, what are we going to do to get this girl, number one, moving without pain, and then number two, get her in fight condition so she can go and compete in a really world-class tournament. So there was a lot of things that I'd learned over the previous 10 years that literally was called into action straight away. Um, so within a month, we had her training with weights, doing what she needed to do in the gym. And happy to say... Within 12 weeks, she was over in Vegas and she was winning herself a medal at the tournament. So that was my first big challenge and test in John's gym. And I seemed to pass with flying colors. 
So you mentioned Conor McGregor. Have you had opportunities to maybe work with him, or come, what? What has been being in a gym around Conor McGregor been like? Well, I was very fortunate when I went in there first. He was just building his kind of way towards his first world championship, so he was very much in the focused fighting stage. He was dedicated to his training. It was. It was. He was very hungry, and you got to see it kind of in first hand what he was doing with his with his fight team with his coaches and uh, you got to see the kind of fighter he was the world-class fighter he was and he, he was very fortunate he had world-class teammates as well so they pushed him to his limits and one of them was paddy hoolan who i was eventually going to build up a very strong friendship with and i ended up coaching him as well so the opportunity that i had with Sinead led me to work in next with ashton daly she was a ufc fighter at uh, the time and um, she was the first irish female ufc fighter so I had to help her overcome um, injuries from her previous fights and get her ready for a camp in 12 weeks. So this kind of pressurized environment was really, really conducive to me picking up knowledge that was going to help me in future with young athletes. You talk about coaching for 20 years. Let's even go back further. When did Simon get into sports and what things were you into as a youth? Well, I've always loved soccer. Um, I was probably attracted to Manchester United around late 80s, early 90s, just before they started becoming a very dominant team in, in England. Um, just watching them start to become successful. It was quite fortunate, really, because Liverpool were the dominant team. And in Ireland, Liverpool and Manchester United historically have been the two best supported teams um, for generations. So you're either growing up, you're either a Liverpool fan or a Man United fan. It was one or the other. And of course, there was that rivalry which led to your your friends would slag you if you lost. And if your team won, you were on top of the world for a few weeks or a few months or whatever if they won a trophy. So that was what I grew up with in the country at the time. And what kind of drew me into soccer was it was kind of a golden age for Irish soccer because we qualified for our first European Championships and our first World Cup under the he's a national icon jack charlton our english manager he won the world cup with england but he was manager of irish soccer team for 10 years so between 86 and 96 was a, a really rich period for our national team in terms of qualifying for major tournaments and and it really kind of got young people like myself into the sport when you were playing those days, what were the things that you remember and enjoy the most about playing? And then was there a part of you that wanted to go into coaching into sports? Like how did the whole coaching thing come about? Um, that's a, a really good question. Um, at the time when I was playing as a teenager, I, I lived in the middle of the country. So the infrastructure in the middle of the country when I was growing up wasn't very good. It wasn't like we had a lot of opportunities to go out and excel and play at a really high level. But I was, I was fortunate. I got to play for some representative teams. We got to do a bit of travel and go to play against teams from Dublin, which were all the best teams played. Um, and the dream when you were that age was, oh, I'd love to be a professional soccer player. And it was probably more achievable back then because there was a really strong link between the UK and Ireland in terms of soccer. So if you were a young aspiring soccer player and you wanted to play top level, your dream was to go to England and play for a Liverpool or an Arsenal or Manchester United. So as a teenager, that's what me and all my friends wanted. And we'd be out for hours on the streets or on the, the parks kicking footballs, 
dreaming that we we're going to be the next big superstar playing for one of these big teams. So it, it was well before the age of the internet and um, mobile phones, which was going to take over for the last maybe 20, 25 years. So for us, it was our imagination. It was our dedication to go out and kick a ball in all types of weather. Christmas time, you'd get a new pair of boots and you'd get a new soccer ball and you'd be going out and playing with your friends and it'd be freezing cold. You wouldn't care. That was that was what got us through those times, if you know what I mean. So as you're going and you're growing up, you're going through high school, Does is college something that you take on? What's that next step as you're kind of growing up? My own story is a bit different to the conventional one because when I was growing up, my grandparents, I've actually two sets of grandparents with a unique story. One is my mum's parents were Polish. So an Irish boy with Polish grandparents is a very unique tale to tell. Um, your grandfather been in the Holocaust. Unfortunately, back then, we didn't realize the significance of it. It wasn't something my grandparents talked about. As I said, I didn't know very much, but I was very close to my dad's side of the family. And my granddad had a, a family business. So I ended up as a teenager doing a lot of work for that. So it gave me uh, an insight to hard work and having ethic to help people, if you know what I mean. And that was where you start learning from your your family what being a good person, what being a helpful person is. So I suppose going back to my early days in coaching, I would have learned a lot of that growing up from my relatives and all those kind of experiences. It did affect my, my academic studies, unfortunately, because... I loved soccer. That was my distraction. I didn't focus my my efforts on school as much as I should have. And eventually it would lead me to go down a very different path. I ended up actually going to uh, college and studying technology. So I, I ended up actually getting a job in Intel for four years. So it was, it was kind of a, a deviated path from sports. But I was always drawn back towards sports. So when I got to my mid-20s, I decided to leave that all behind and then start from scratch into the fitness industry so i was 25 26 when I, I was a late developer if you want to call it that has fitness and like taking care of your body and stuff has that been something you've always had an interest in were you one of those that kind of took care of what they ate and were you act like clearly active in, in terms of playing sports and what have you but were you one of those that always been or is that like you said kind of a late bloomer was that something you just kind of like got into well unfortunately with the with the time in intel it was it was shift work so you were working 12-hour shifts you were working days you were working nights so it meant i didn't get to play soccer as much as i wanted to so i actually spent a couple of years very disillusioned with sports and not really putting much time into it and as a result my health started suffering i wasn't sleeping very well i wasn't eating healthy foods and eventually i kind of I just started going back to towards the gym and just using it as a kind of a means to deal with stress and just get into it again. And, and it led me to a, a different place. I was not going, I really enjoy this. And at the time I was actually doing a lot of teaching people my job skills in Intel. So I was actually learning how to coach people in a different way, in a more kind of a technology environment. But the, sc the skills I was learning there were always going to help me going forward. So I enjoyed the process of teaching people. But for me, it was after a while, I didn't want to teach them about machines and technology. It was, wouldn't it be great if I could teach people how to do exercise and stay healthy and fit? So it eventually led me to that path. But it, 
I don't believe I would have been as successful a coach if I hadn't gone down that path, if that makes sense. So once you make that decision that fitness is something you want to get into and helping others get better at, you know, moving their body movement and all that type of stuff, where does one go to make that next step and become like certified and what the next steps are? At the time, uh, we're talking about 2005 when I decided I was going to go down this route. I said, okay, I have to go back and I have to get a qualification. So there was plenty of colleges that were offering short-term qualifications, like 18, 20-week courses, um, you're qualified. And of course, as a complete novice, not knowing what the best one was, I, I just chose one that I saw that was appealing and I just went down that route. But it didn't prepare me for the hardships that were going to happen. It was very naive if you really want to look at it from that sense. It was, you're going doing a course, you think after that you're qualified to go out there and work in a very tough industry. In fact, it was I was very underprepared for everything that came with it. So even though I got the, the certification after four or five months of studying, financially I was in complete mess because I wasn't able to work a proper job at the time I was studying. Um, you were using all your savings to just stay afloat. So I actually I spent uh, that year working as a as a security guy in uh, in pubs just to pay the bills, you know, um, doing odd jobs just to just to make ends meet and just pay the rent and literally make sure you had food on the table. So I lived a very basic life while I was starting out in the industry. When you look back at that time and to now, how important was it to go through, I guess, adversity and struggle to get to the point where you're at now? Being honest with you, it was more so it taught me a newfound respect for money because when you don't have a lot, you make it stretch a lot further. Um, I stopped drinking alcohol completely because, I, number one, I couldn't afford it. Number two, because you're starting to learn the kind of healthier lifestyle that you want to turn into. You want people to gravitate towards you because of how you look physically, but also your overall lifestyle and mentality. So even from the early stages, I said, right, if I'm going to do this as a career, I have to be someone that appears professional in your, your whole outlook and what you're doing. There's no point in going in with the mindset of, well, I'm going to do this frivolously and just hope that people will come and hire my services. It's I have to be looked on as someone who walks the walk, if you know what I mean. So I took it quite seriously, even from day one. I went in with the right mindset to work. But my, my gap was I didn't have the knowledge that would deliver the results that people wanted. So when you recognize that kind of gap that you need to fill, you get this certification. How, how, how do you get into a gym? Like, how do you what's that first job opportunity? Do you just start? reaching out to local gyms and opportunities and just hope someone says, Hey, let's give it a try. Well, funny enough, I have two letters that I kept from 2005 where I was rejected for a job position. And it was very, like, if, even now with young kids that come to me and we're t talking about mindset with them. And I said, even when I started out with this, I said, I got told no. I says, I'm of the mindset that if I'm told no, it makes me more determined to keep going till I get what I need. You know, so I've always kept them on record. I'm one of these people who just collects things, especially when it comes to keeping data and records. Um, it's just because 
honestly, I don't have a brilliant memory. So I know if I keep photos or videos or documents, I can always refer back to them. And it's all always accurate information and it refreshes your memory. It's very difficult when you go through so many different scenarios to remember every single detail. So I kept these letters and these hard copy letters of job applications saying, sorry, we don't want you. And I was very fortunate. I got a an opportunity in a, a commercial gym where they gave me a short term position to prove myself. I went in with just I'm going to work as hard as I can for two months and let's see where it leads. It ended up leading me to getting a full time position at the time. So it was putting food on the table. It was giving me valuable experience. It was um, giving me the opportunity to work with all different demographics so I could start building my skill set. When you look back at that first opportunity to start like building your skill set, what was there someone at the gym that was helpful for you to kind of pull from as to or were you just kind of figuring things out as you went? Honestly, at the time, some of the coaches that were working there weren't very helpful at all. <laughs> they, they almost looked at you as a threat. So for me, it was my priority was always look after the customer. So if the customer come in and ask for help or assistance, I was there to help or give them assistance. Some people saw a job in the gym as it was a way to skive work or not do any work. Some was it was to chat up women or chat up men or whatever. That was their outlook on it. You know, for me, it was this is my apprenticeship. It's a very late apprenticeship, but I have to learn the skills I need in order to possibly set up a business for myself. So if I don't use this opportunity now. When am I going to do it? So for me, the first year that I was in there, I worked very hard at delivering a really good service to people, making sure that my superiors were happy with my performance. And I was very fortunate they were, but I did put in a lot of hours, a lot of hard work in order to, to start moving up from literally ground zero. You've mentioned like that hard work, determination, just kind of grinding through things. Talk about struggling like money wise, but still getting, you know, the certification and being successful. Has that been, you talked, mentioned your grandparents and what they went through back in the day and such. Is that something that was kind of been family? Like, that's just how we are. That's our mindset. We grind, we get, take care of things. Um, has that been something that's always been kind of embedded in you? Or as you've kind of pointed out, has that been something that's kind of developed over the years? As you age as you get older you go through certain cir uh, circumstances in your life where things go against you or things happen and it's how do you cope with these situations how do you deal with them as i got into my mid-20s my late 20s my early 30s i started just trying to be a person who dealt with things even if it went against me it was right i have to come up with a solution a positive outcome here i have to keep moving forward because if you recall 2007 was when I set up my, my business. I got an opportunity to set up a personal training business. What happened in 2008? Global recession. So all of a sudden, you're you're literally in the first year of your business, and then all of a sudden, nobody has any money to hire you. So what do you do? Do you give up? And believe me, there was times, I'll be perfectly honest with you, there was times I thought, well, what have I done? I've walked away from a very good job. I was getting promoted almost every year. I was making lots of money. And now I'm scraping by a living. I'm barely able to go out at, at the weekend or anything. I can't do anything outside of my work. And um, 
why did I put myself through this? But I was I, I was in a situation where it was right. You've chose this job. You've chose this, this profession. If you want to get any good at it, you've got to keep working at it. You've got to improve your skills. You've got to improve your knowledge. You've got to start delivering really good results. Otherwise, what's the point? And there was a lot of up and downs the first six, seven years, to be honest with you. We'd probably need five shows to go through all the ups and downs, but I won't, I won't bore you with the detail. But like you asked about how did the journey start out? It was very rough. It was awkward. It was difficult at times. But I'm someone who, if, if I commit to something, I'm going to persevere with it, even if it does get tough. And this is something that to this day, I probably, I, I show that to my clients day in, day out. Whenever they're going through a tough moment, I can pull out a life situation that I could share with them. And if they're going through a difficult moment, sometimes we can pull them out of it when they realize, well, my coach has gone through these moments too, or he's gone through adversity and he's, he's still going forward. So maybe that'll motivate me to do it. So that's, that's, what I try and do, I use a lot of life experiences and I share them with when I think the situation calls for it, to be honest. As you're going through, if you look back, is there a, a point in this kind of journey where you realize like, all right, it's taking off. I've got my feet underneath me. You talk about like the struggle, you know, early on when you started opening up but, and then five, six years into, is there a point where you look back and go, I knew then that I was, locked in everything was kind of falling into place and that this was going to be successful i'll tell you what changed my outlook was i went in 2013 to poland to see auschwitz i wanted to see what my grandparents had gone through my grandmother was in germany in a concentration camp my grandfather was in poland the concentration camp and when i went through and i saw the experience of um, Auschwitz, uh, of Birkenau, I just went, my grandparents went through so much to, they were amongst the first Polish people to settle in Ireland, by the way, just back in the early 50s. But um, it just made me realize so many different things. It was like a light bulb moment to me in my life. And I just went, they went through all that to give me the opportunity to do what I love doing and what I want to do. There's no reason in the world why I should ever give up going forward for the rest of my life. It was like that moment that someone just hits you across the face and you're like, oh my God, yes. And from then on, I just went, if I put my mind to something, no matter how hard it is, it'll never be as hard as what they went through. You talked about sharing life things, even with the, the youth and those that you work with. How important do you are those conversations with kids? Especially now, we hear a lot of stuff about mental health and all the things yep. that people are dealing with and COVID, which I know I'm sure affected your business when you were at that point. Um, how important are you? You talk about sharing life stories. Why do you feel like that's important and why do that? We live in an age now where, where social media is dominant and people live their lives virtually. It's very hard to meet people who are real and true with you um, and want to share experiences with you. You know, it's almost like we want to put out this perfect perception of we do everything right and we do everything flawlessly. For me, the only reason I've learned to coach and been as successful in my career as I have is I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done a lot of things wrong, but I learned well from them. And the thing is, for me, what builds character is, is people who are willing to face up to their shortcomings or 
or the wins and losses if we want to talk about that in a lot of cases people are only there for the wins they're only there when things are going well they don't want to be there when it's it's ugly or it's nasty or things are going against you and that for me when, when you're a coach and when you're working with people who have amazing potential and they've, they've talent and they've so many years ahead of them they need someone who's going to be there whether it's good or it's bad and they need to be able to trust that person that they're not going to ruin as soon as something goes wrong you know and i think in this day and age it's getting rare and rare to find that and it's important that we view our role as we're there to facilitate all this potential all this talent to go and maximize it you know we want we want to see these young talented exceptional people to go out and be the best they can be but if we're not willing to share the good and the bad with them, they're not going to get the full authentic experience, are they? One of the things too, as you've as you're going through this process, what does Simon do to like get away? You know, you talk about work life balance and such like that. <laughs> Is Simon's just so hyper focused on sports performance and consulting and like taking care of himself? Is there things that Simon does to kind of maybe just get away from things? Uh, th thank goodness my other half isn't here because she'd be going, oh yeah, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. He's too focused on his work. He's too, uh, he's too uh, one-dimensional when it comes to that. I'm very fortunate. I, I, I'm in a profession. I'm in a, a job and I get to work with people. I adore, I adore what I do, if we want to sum it up. But I do try to keep my personal stuff personal. I do try and enjoy private moments like having Christmas with family, all that. For me, it's it's locked in here. If I go on a holiday, it's for me. It's it's the experience I get to see. I, I'm not generally someone who likes broadcasting it out there. If it's work oriented, fair enough. But when it comes to personal things, it's it's something I like to keep sacred to me. Now, it's different. You come to my house. You want to have a cup of coffee? We'll talk about anything you want. You know, we'll enjoy each other's company. But that's for me and you to enjoy. You know, it's not for me to post up on social media and say, oh well. Kieran come over to my house and we had Starbucks and we had Costa. You know, it's I don't want people to know that. I'd rather we share our time, we enjoy each other's company. This this obviously is different because you're, you're providing something. And I, I I was interested to see that you started this off with your son, if I'm correct. And mm -hmm. um, it's like you, you wanted to share knowledge for for people, and that's one of the reasons why I agreed to do these things. It's so refreshing to find people like yourself who want to share this kind of forum where you can make people better. And I like, that's one of the reasons why I started coaching young people was I was working with professional athletes. I was working with high achievers, but I went, these people are already very close to the finished article or they're, they're very far on and where they need to be. What about helping people who are only starting out or people who need a lot of work and turn them into that diamond or turn or polishing them until they are someone successful. That's what motivated me more over the last decade, to be honest. And the problem is you do dedicate a lot of time to it. You do dedicate a lot of energy because more often than not, they're playing their games or they're having their competitions when you're supposed to be off or when you're supposed to switch off your phone or when you're supposed to not be worried about them. That's when you're actually trying to focus on did the stuff that I do during the week, uh, did it lead itself to the results we wanted at the weekend? And if not, what do we need to do for next week to address that? So it is hard to switch it off. I love the idea of, of pouring into the youth and, and like the professionals, like you said, are almost a finished product. So what can we do to continue to mold and build 
the younger ones up. The other thing I wanted to ask about is why stay in Ireland? What has kept you there? Um, and, you know, just the whole idea of just it sounds like you're just kind of in the same area. You're still pouring back into that same like just where family is and all that. Why stay there? What's what's been the, you know, maybe the the pool and the excitement of staying there? Well, I've been fortunate. I've got to travel with my work to quite a few places. I've got to teach in Scotland. I've got to teach in Wales and um, I've done some work in Germany and I've run international uh, fitness camps in Portugal. And then I've b- built up a few connections in the States. I'm obviously, I'd love to do more work with people in the States, but I've done stuff with people like Sky Eddie Bruce, who sh- she's uh, got a lot of good things going on over there. She does a lot of great work, you know, and she's got me involved in one or two things, which I was pleased to help her with. Um, so the thing is, looking at some of the coaching forums in the States, it gives me a lot of information that I find useful to kind of correlate over here. Um, Honestly, I'm not oblivious or I don't I don't fear traveling to do my work. It's just getting opportunities to do it and make it sure that they're beneficial to who wants to be involved with you. Um, the infrastructure in this country is not where it needs to be to develop sports to a really, really high standard in some some aspects. There's other aspects. They're doing a tremendous job. You know, um, soccer is is one sport I'm very passionate about. I've loved it for most of my life. Unfortunately, because of globalization, Ireland has suffered a lot in terms of the quality of players we produce has regressed. Um, there's a lot of data to back that up. I wrote a, a thesis on it for my master's because I was working with young players that were playing local football that we're getting to play for the top level over here, playing international over here. And their goal was to try and get abroad, but for some reason they weren't making that final step. So that fascinated me to, to go and pursue my studies. Um, so I'm hoping that even with my knowledge that I'm, I'm making some kind of little bit of difference in terms of what goes on over here. We need your, more people to do that though. In your experiences of, going to other places, other countries and, and such has, what is, is there any differences in perceptions of like sports fitness and performance? Like what things do you pick up? I mean, we always talk about and that basketball here is different than basketball over in Europe and soccer and all those types of things. Is there a difference or is there kind of a consistent kind of theme throughout? I think, I've read, I've read bits and pieces about how it works in America. I would like to learn more, obviously. Um, there's so many different ways of doing things and so many ways we can learn. I think the problem is that the Irish market is very kind of, I, I'll use the words lightly, old-fashioned in terms of some things they've modernized. But there's still this perception that, when you're a young player, and then we're going on 35 years after I was dreaming like this, a young player can become a professional in England. The, the chances of that happening now are very, very slim, um, mainly because we don't have the academy systems required. Uh, the players are competing with much better standard from different continents now. Football clubs have become massive businesses in the UK, so they're not 
they're not really interested as much in the Irish market as they were. They already know it's established. Like if we look at the last 15, 20 years, what have they done? They've gone they've gone to the Asian markets, they've gone to the US market, they've gone to the African market where the populations are humongous compared to Ireland. You know, and they're trying to draw in that popularity, you know, the, the commercialisms took over the English Premier League. And a lot of Irish fans still to this day, even I had a kid in this morning who was over at Old Trafford two nights ago to see them play Aston Villa, you know, and it was a lovely Christmas present. But the thing is, Irish fans still go over to Man United, even though this season they've lost 13 matches out of 26 or something like that. They're, they're still dedicated to going over. They still do it, even if the team aren't successful. And they haven't been for the last 10 years, you know, because it's it's a, it's a family thing. You know, my dad supported them, my granddad supported them. So I'm going to support, them, you know. So if you look at the, the U.S., like, in the last 10 years, the MLS is after getting more popular over in Europe, you know, and now we're watching because Messi is there, you know, Beckham was there, Ibrahimovic was there, all these, uh, Robbie Keane, our own Robbie Keane was there for a few years, you know, so we, we've more eyes in the US league now than we, we ever had because these, these special players draw us in, you know, there's more knowledge about it. But the thing is, Irish kids now are looking at the US as an opportunity. They want to, Go over and maybe do the scholarship there. They want to play soccer over there, you know. And, and the thing is, it, it's a draw. It's an attraction. So, and the, the language helps too. And that's another thing that players over here, if their their academic studies aren't up to much, they're not studying languages. It makes it harder for them to succeed in Europe. So they're looking for if I can't make it in England, maybe I could go to America. You just mentioned having a a, a young man come in today. Um, what does a typical day look like for Simon or even a week um, in terms of like, are you working with clients throughout the day? Like what, what does your schedule look like? So in, in the last six, seven years, I've had to modify my skill set. So I do a lot of mindset work. I actually have to learn physical therapy. So I, I do things like dry needling where I treat sports injuries and um, work with kids and adults in the gym and um, nutrition so i've i've kind of learned to cover all these bases it took me a lot of time and a lot of uh, education to get to that level but it's now meant i have very full weeks where it's never the same week if you know what i mean like you'll have kids that are in that, are, that most of my work now is project based if i really am to break it down so when i sit down with a client i i meet with them if it's a young person i meet with them and their parent and it's literally from the first meeting, what what are we working towards here? What's our goal together? You know, um, what do we want to achieve? Some kids, I want to play for my country. Some kids, I want to play the highest standard in Ireland. Um, some kids, if and I work with kids from different sports. Uh, I want to represent my county at a certain sport, or I want to participate in an event abroad or something like that. I want to win a medal or something. So for me, then at least we know what direction we're going. We know our why from day one, you know, and that's kind of what I try and do now. It's I want a project that's interesting for both parties. You know, me as a coach, that's motivated to help the client, but also them, they're trying to achieve. Um, and that's the sports people and the athletes. But I also have general population come into me who just want to be healthy and just want to stay healthy and happy and fit. So we work with them too. So it, mean, it can be quite a busy week to answer your question in terms of the differences in what I do. 
You mentioned earlier uh, when I asked about kind of getting away from just the whole idea of fitness and just kind of and what have you. And you mentioned your your better half. What has what has having a better half being a part of this whole equation and the support and having someone to kind of get away from things? How important has that been for you? I'm very fortunate. I'll share this with you. We've met each other quite late. Um, like we're together, what, five and a half years, nearly six years. I'm 45 this year. So it's quite fortunate for me that I've come across a person I want to spend my time with, probably the rest of my life with. Um, but said you've had to go through a lot of setbacks to realize that, you know, um, she's a businesswoman as well. She runs her own shop. So she understands me to a, a large amount in terms of what I do. We're both passionate about what we do. Um, I would say she's the softer side to me, which is a good balance. You know, uh, for me, I can be quite tough and I can be quite ferocious with my personality, where she's very soft and kind hearted. And I think that's important to have that balance in your life. You can't have two ferocious people in a relationship, but she can be passionate when she needs to be about something, if you know what I mean. And then if she wants to go off and we want to enjoy something, she'll make sure we enjoy it. Um, but uh, if she needs to be focused on something, I'll be the one that focuses her. That makes sense. It's it's just that ideal where you have someone that kind of brings the, the things you're missing. So I'm very fortunate that I have a great partner like that. Last thing I want to ask about is, so now you're rocking and rolling, you're in a great place what are your kind of big dreams? Do you want to open up your own place or you want to continue to grow and build what you have um, at the gym that you're at? It's a really good question. Um, running a gym and I've watched, I've watched with interest people that I respect and admire do it. It's a very challenging, challenging um, position to be in mainly because you're running a building you're chasing numbers. You're trying to keep, as you said, we had to deal with a pandemic. You had so many problems when that came about, you know, keeping the doors open and all that. And it, I've, I've been involved with consulting and businesses that have tried to draw in more customers. They've been more kind of volume centric rather than trainer centric. So when you think about it, most fitness businesses have to get massive numbers to generate massive revenues. For me, my focus the last 15 years has always been the experience of the client, you know, um, I've been very fortunate. Like in the last two years, I've managed to be able to work with the likes of Man United and Liverpool legends. So people who used to play for those clubs. I do treatment on them when they're playing matches, you know, so I get to hear their real stories. The, the guy, guys like Yap Stam, you know, Ray Houghton, who played for Ireland over here. And, um, you know, big names of that, that won massive trophies for these clubs, but they're sharing their stories with you. And then you're able to share the stories with the young people. For me, that bringing that knowledge back is so important, you know. And then we have kids who are coming in that are going to be great young football players or great young sports people. You want to be able to share the real stories of the real athletes with them so that they persevere no matter what. But they realize that these people went through difficult paths themselves, that maybe what you see on the TV or what's portrayed on the on the TV shows isn't really what it is, you know. And... Um, and you hope that they're going to achieve their own success and, you know, and they're going to learn from these people. It's not always the case, but it's nice to even be able to kind of bridge that gap and you say, well, 
today you're getting the same work done as this famous footballer that you watched on YouTube yesterday, you know? So that's, that's a great thing to be able to do. I think if you're involved in running the business where you're trying to drive sales and you're trying to worry about getting massive amounts of money in, if I was to focus my energies on that, maybe I wouldn't be as passionate about it. I wouldn't enjoy it as much. So I have to, it's something I have to genuinely, generally figure out. I, I do enjoy what I do now, but I know in the next three to four years, I'm going to have to figure out what's the next step. You know, where do I want to go next? I, I've been very fortunate. I've always managed to switch lanes when I needed to, if you know what I mean. And if opportunities come up, then you have to consider them. Um, when I moved here to Paddy's gym, that was an opportunity to see a gym built from ground zero, which I'd never done. Now it's been going six and a half years or whatever. You know, it's it's been amazing to see the, the gym unfold and the different faces come in. And we've seen kids that were really young and now all of a sudden they're high-level belts. Or we produced our first UFC fighter there in the last year. So a girl that came in who had very few skills but a, a really strong martial arts background, she's been molded into a world-class fighter. So seeing these things unfold in front of you is quite incredible to be honest um and when you're talking to a guy who came from a small town of a couple of hundred people it's not something i would have envisioned starting out and when i was that kid running around kicking the ball out in the street when i was 14 15 16 you were to say you're going to end up working with man united legends or liverpool legends or you're going to train ufc fighters and things like that when you're older i would have laughed at you because that's never going to happen not in my lifetime you know, so as I said, for, for anyone out there who aspires to get into coaching, you know, it's all about what opportunities present themselves and how willing you are and brave you are to go and pursue them and see what you can do with them. You know, it's that open mindedness I think you need to have um, and always be willing to try learn the things that you don't know and go after skills. And at the start, it's difficult. You're trying to learn new skills that could transform you into a better coach but you might struggle at the beginning and it takes time and it takes a lot of effort you know just you don't just walk into a new skill set and say five minutes later i'm a master at it you know there's things i'm learning now that i've spent thousands of hours working on but still i want them to be better i wanted to improve upon them you know and that's the outlook i have with these things and even coming up to 20 years i still consider myself a novice I still consider myself someone who's lots to learn. There's so much out there I need to know. That is a awesome way to shut this chat down. This is Kieran with Coach's Corner Chats with Simon McAvoy, and I'm out. Peace. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and I absolutely love chatting with coaches about their coaching journey. What's even better is I love that you took the time to listen to this episode and hope you enjoyed it. What I'd like to ask is take the time to join me on social media, especially on Twitter and Instagram, at Coaches Let's Chat. That's where we can connect and continue to build this community. Be a part of this awesome, awesome experience that I know you'll enjoy. Let's go. Peace.